0: Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Welcome, everybody. Hey, wasn't the band cool? Why don't we give them a big old clap real quick? My name is Rex. I'm happy to be here tonight. I'm really excited to be with my friend Matt and Charmaine Funk, aren't you grateful for really cool leaders, great influencers, and great pastors? Can we give them a big old clap? Matt, I was thinking, when did we meet? Like 2000, what? 16, 15, 17, 18, 12. Holy schmoly, 2012. They pastored an amazing church, and we met out in Calgary area. So, Ooh, that's super bright. Um, thank you. Uh, and I remember we met and we had some really, really great times. together. So this is amazing to be at this place, having your own church. You guys are kicking butt. I watch your stuff online. You guys are doing amazing stuff. One more time. Give it up for them. All right. We're ready to go tonight. I've had the privilege to speak for the last 24 and a half years. It'll be 25 in December. And I've had the awesome opportunity. I walked away from a professional baseball career. I played with the Boston Red Sox, and I felt like there was more to life than what I was living. I had a couple people that believed in me, and I tried to tell uh, a lot of people about my dream to speak and help people make decisions, change their beliefs, empower their life. And most people that I thought I was going to get a real lot of excitement from, they actually gave me the opposite. They actually tried to talk me out of it. They said, stay where you're comfortable, stay where you're powerful, stay where you're known, stay where, stay where you're successful. You don't know how it could work out. Maybe it won't work out as good as your baseball career. But I knew something inside of me was greater than what I was living. I think that's why you're here tonight. It's Friday night. You could be in a lot of freaking places. And the reality is that tonight that you're here, there must be a belief, consciously or unconsciously, inside of you that life can be richer, you can be better, you can live life at a better level than the way you're living it. Anybody feel that inside of you? You feel a divine dissatisfaction. There's gotta be more to life than this. Anybody feel that? So, for me, this is a dream come true, and I say that because I've watched, uh, you know, my friends really build something really great, and now to be able to come and be a part of something that, hey, this is our first one we've ever done, right? Our first one, and look at all these freaking cool people. This is awesome. I love it. My claim to fame, I'm a dad, and I'm a husband, and I'm into my wife, and... uh, And I'm into being a dad. That's my cool stuff. That's the cool points uh, off the top. Um, I'm going to use the Bible for a minute. Some of you are familiar with the Bible. Some of you are not familiar with the Bible. I've done it with Tony Robbins' crew. I've done it with Grant Cardone's crew. And the Bible works. Tony Robbins asked me, he says, why do you use the Bible? I go, because it works. I don't want to build my life on pop psychology or on success motivation. I want to build my life on something timeless, not trendy. And I don't want good results, I want God results. And what I've found for the last 24, 20 was 25 years, is God's Word has a way, if it's worked right, and it's not religious, has a way to change the way you think, the way you engage, the way you show up for people, the results you get in your life. And I don't know about you, I don't want what just man can pull off in my life. I've seen some of my strengths, but I've seen a lot of my weaknesses and I got a ceiling a little bit over me. Anybody ever feel like, hey, I try to go above average, and then I kind of hit a ceiling? I want God's ability to be able to take me beyond my usual and proper limits, and I found that you can really tap into that, where it works and it changes the way that you show up and the way that you live. So I'm going to use this for a minute. Uh, I'll use this story to break the ice here. Kevin Hart, anybody ever heard of him, the comedian? Super funny guy. Kevin Hart was struggling as an actor. He's come to L.A., and his mother was a educator out of Chicago. She'd always, she sent him with a Bible and she'd always say, Hey, are you reading your Bible? Nah, no, nah, Mom, I don't got time for that. I'm busy trying to create my comedy career, my acting career. And so he got behind on rent, like two months, three months, four months. And every time he get behind every month, he calls and say, Mama, can you send me some money? She said, Well, have you read your Bible? No, Mom, I don't got no time for no Bible. I'm trying to like make my life happen. She said, Read your Bible. Nah, Mama. And then finally he would say, I did read it, but he really didn't. She goes, no, I don't think he really read your Bible. This went on for four or five months. Every month he was stressing out, about to be evicted. And she finally, he calls, he goes, mom, I need money for rent. He says, go read your Bible. Fine, mom, I'll go read my Bible. When he opened his Bible, there was six months of rent checks hiding inside of that Bible. And because he never put... Opened himself up to what was in the Bible. He had to live in fear, panic, and poverty for six months. You ready to go? I'm going to tell a story out of this, and you're going to like it. You ready to go? Beautiful. Here we go. Mark chapter 10. It's on the right hand side of the Bible, in verse 46. They came. That means Jesus and his posse came to Jericho, and as he's leaving this town called Jericho, like Chilowak. Him and his posse, he had, like, cussing Peter. He had stealing Judas. I always like to tell people about these stories because it gives you a lot of great hope. Jesus took shaky people and gave them sturdy projects. He didn't look for the best performers. In fact, he didn't go after any religious people. He went after 12 business owners to be his apprentices. Why? Because he liked people that had guts and were willing to bet on themselves and take some chances in life. He said... They were following him, and they were going out of this town. And it says there was a great number of people. And this guy blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he sat by the road, and he was begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and go, Yo, Jesus, son of David, have some mercy on me. Many told him to shut up. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called, and they said, Hey, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Someone say, Be of good cheer, say it like you got juice, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling me. Ooh. Say it like you got energy, say he's calling me. There you go, slap the person next to you, give him a, a UFC punch, say he's calling him. Verse 50, I'm almost done, then you're gonna like this. So it says, he told him to rise, be of a cheer. He's calling you. Throwing aside his outward garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Jesus goes, yo, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man goes, Lord, I came to regain and recover my sight. And then Jesus said to them, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately this blind guy received his sight and followed Jesus on the way. You're going to like this tonight. There's a story about a guy. He's sitting there, and he's known as Blind Bartimaeus. In every story, there's characters. And the theme of the characters, often the identity. I like to find out well, what, what's the story about. You're a, you have a story, and your theme is based on how you see yourself, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he you constantly reproduce how you see yourself. If you, you see yourself as weak, you act weak. If you see yourself powerful, you act powerful. If you see yourself broke, we don't matter how much money somebody gives you, you find a way to lose it. If you see yourself fat, don't matter how many things you go to the gym on, you'll continue to put on pounds. Why? Because you act out who you see you are in your story. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why you're a spiritual being, not a physical one. That's why your future is not rooted in what's around you. It's vision of what's inside of you because your vision and your future evolve from your heart, not what's around you. That's actually good news. There's a guy, Bartimaeus, and he was raised by his dad. His dad was blind. He was raised in a blind community. At that time, you would get a coat once you got a diagnosis that you were blind. They would put a coat on you. It let you become a legal beggar. This young guy, he was raised in an atmosphere of blindness. The word blindness, according to Webster's Dictionary, dictionary means to be impaired in the way you see. Some of us were raised in families, come on, where we were blind to how we should show up in relationships. Some of us were raised blind to what God could really do in our lives. So when we saw religion, we didn't want it. We wanted God. We just didn't want religious stuff. We were raised blind, maybe how far we could go economically. So we settled for, I just work a job rather than work my potential. Blind people in that time would get a coat, a diagnosis. Once you got the diagnosis, it let you legally live off the handouts of others. If I look across Canada, how many blind people right now were living off, they can physically see, But they're living blind to their potential, blind to who God says they are, blind to what's on the inside of them, blind to the dormant ability, the unused success, the gift, the talent, the power, the promise that's on the inside of them. They're living blind to it. Watch. And therefore they live off the handouts. I'll give me, I'll take what Trudeau gives me. I'll take what the entertainment world gives me. I'll take what so-and-so gives me. Where we're not leading our life as men, we're leasing our life. Your life is way too precious to put in the hands of 10% of somebody else's other brain to determine how great your life can really freaking become. God wanted you on this planet. All hell's come against you and you're still here in 2022. There must be a plan. There must be a purpose. There must be a plan. There must be a purpose. Maybe your parents didn't want you, but God wanted you. Maybe they didn't plan on having you, but God planned on you being here. Your parents might have been in a different, indifferent, but God did not see you that way. You're just what he wanted to make. There's something inside you that is demanding that, hey, I gotta get out of here. I got a bit bigger than what I'm living. Come on. This guy, Bartimaeus, he grew up in a blind atmosphere where they learned to live like, he learned to live like his dad. He was blind. It was handed down to him. And a moment came at 16 years of age where he became on the outside what he learned to live on the inside. He became physically blind. He got the diagnosis. What has diagnosed you and who's diagnosed you? What you misdiagnose, you mistreat. If you see yourself as being less, then you won't add too much value. So if, if you see yourself not being worthy or lovable, then when people go to show you love, what happens? Well, I diagnose myself. I'm not good in relationships. I'm not good in money. How many know that the identity that you carry of yourself determines how high or how big your life becomes, whether you love or whether you lust, whether you give, whether you take, whether you demand much of yourself or you settle for the discount version of yourself? Smile, even if you got a couple of teeth, try it, come on. So he gets a diagnosis and now he's blind. I've found in life, we're usually blinded by two things, what's behind us and who's around us. Let's go for what's behind us. We're all products of our past. The good news is because of the grace of God, we don't have to live as prisoners of our past. But a lot of times we allow the past to influence how we handle the future. Manipulated by memories of what we should have done, could have done, but we didn't do. We let the past lock us into a cage of regret that conditions us to where we don't decide to act out the potential that God put inside of us. Well, I wish I would have done it. I wish I would have done it. Come on. How many know that you can you can sit in that place of regret so long it begins to eat away at your confidence where you were disappointed in the past. Now I don't want to try in the future. Other times we become blinded by I had a little bit of success and this is good enough. I've been around a lot of people in my life where they have a little taste of success and in their mind, oh, this is good. I'll just sit right here. And that complacency sets in where they put comfort ahead of their ability, their calling, their purpose on their life, and they begin to settle with, this is good enough they become blind to still what's possible. The good news is if you're in God, eyes not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into your heart, the things God still has for your life. I believe your life's supposed to get better and better, stronger and stronger. It's not a fact, though. It's not not an interesting thing that I would be speaking so passionately to you tonight. Why? Because I want to disrupt something inside you and think, wait a second, where am I settling in my life? What am I living blind to? What am I, am I living blind to my own value? Because if, if if I don't see value, how am I going to add value? Who have I allowed to diagnose me? Did I allow a teacher to diagnose me? Did I allow a, a sexual abuse to decide to diagnose me? Did I let a, a dyslexia diagnosis? Did I let an A. Did I let a divorce, did I let something happen with debt, did I let it diagnose me that I'm not good for this, so I'm going to stay the road and live out for handouts from other people that walk by. And maybe you just settled there, where a spirit of defeat has replaced dominion. Because how do we know, when you were born, man, you had a shout in you. When you came out of your mama's womb, you had some shouting energy. If you didn't, that doctor spent your assets to make sure you had a shout in you. hello. Come on, when you came out of your mother's womb, there was a cry, there was a shout in you. But you ask how most people are doing, I'm fine. Their shout got reduced to a whisper. They had setbacks from our own choices that are created our challenges. Maybe you had some spiritual battles where there is a devil that wants to take people out and destroy your potential and purpose. Or maybe somebody did something crazy to you, but it left you in a place where, you know what, I guess. You know, your fate lies in the way you see yourself. God often came to people and he changed the way they saw themselves because he realized you can't give birth to more in your future if you keep seeing yourself based on your past. Ooh, this is good teaching, huh? Very, very powerful. I remember then, you know, this idea that I'm blinded by, often by success. I've seen this with, I sat with the Kentucky Fried Chicken CEO, and I was coaching him. And he goes, I have these different purposes and dreams. Well, what's, what, what's the belief that holds you back? He goes, well, what if I try it and I fail? I'm okay here, and I'm succeeding here, and I, people think I'm good here. But if I try it and fail, then I, then I don't know if I can handle myself. I go, well, what's that belief going to cost you? He goes, it's going to cost me my ability to create something in the future. I go, can you live with yourself knowing that that belief is robbing you of stepping into your future and keeping you in your past? He goes, I don't have the guts to leave it, so I'm going to stay in this small place that I'm in. If I took you to a circus, what they do with a circus elephant is, when they're born, they're only a couple hundred pounds. That little elephant will turn into 5,000 pounds, but what they do is they tie a firm rope and they tie it around its hoof around its leg, and they'll put it to a stake in the ground, and they'll put it in there. That elephant's a wild elephant. He'll try to break free. He'll try to get out and break free from that rope, but he finds the rope is stronger than his leg. So he becomes conditioned in his mind, this is as far as I can go. Eventually, they can take that rope off, take the stake out. They can put a shoot string around that powerful, massive animal of an elephant. That 5,000-pound animal will go around in circles and chase its tail because it was broken down in childhood, its infancy, that it can only go as far as the rope. What is the rope that's got you walking in a small place? Come on. The Bible says God came to give you an abundant life. When you were a kid, you didn't go to, like, come on, the little store and order, like, little things. You wanted the biggie size. Come on. You wanted the Big Mac. It was in you to order the big. Well, then disappointments hit, setbacks hit, but little success. Well, I'm just going to sit here and stay. And you become blinded. Obviously, too, you get around to blind people. All of a sudden, you don't demand very much. You get around people that are blind spiritually. You don't want to tap into the things of God. You want to hang around with people that are blind relationally to the way they treat people, their children, their family, their spouses. All of a sudden, you become sloppy in your habits. He's sitting there in blindness. This had been his story. And then he hears all this commotion and all this movement in his town. It's interesting. When he hears, he goes, who is that? And he says, hey, that's that guy from Nazareth, that guy Jesus. They didn't have like, they didn't have TikTok yet. They didn't have like, you know, people sending texts. They're like, hey, yo, that's the guy that like raised the boy that was dead. He raised him from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He turned water into wine for drunk people. Go figure that one. He multiplied for people that were really hungry, the world's largest fish fry. Come on, somebody. He cleansed leprosy and AIDS with his freaking words. He walks on water. That guy's coming into town. He's moving by. But he, he, wasn't, he wasn't content just to hear about it. He goes, that's my way out. So all of a sudden he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It says, many told them to shut up. When you go to push above average, those that are most familiar with you will always try to push you back down in the box because they know you as you've always been. See, they judge you based on where you've been, not what's capable of you. They can't see what's inside you. His dad was the one that told him, be quiet. We're not that kind of people. You just be quiet right there. We're blind. You're going to mess up our blind industry, our economic industry you're going to mess us up if you st- if you mess this whole thing up. Bartimaeus be quiet. And he cried out all the more, Jesus son of David, have mercy on me. I was in Malibu, California speaking one night and I started to speak and this man in the very back of the room, I read John 10:37 out of the Bible and Jesus said this. He said, if I don't do the miracles of my father don't believe the words that I tell you. Very different than the gospel we preach in America or North America. We tell people to believe our words without seeing our work. Jesus said, if I don't do miracles, don't believe the words I tell you. Maybe that's why we got so bummed out on religion. Come on. A lot of talk with a lot of, not a lot of proof. Yeah. Anybody with me on that kind of thing? It's easy to talk about love, but did you show love to someone that was different than you? Easy to talk about mercy. Were you merciful to someone that was struggling through an addiction? Hey. I remember saying that in the middle of a... In this message and this guy very very back he stands up and he goes I want what you have if it's real Dude broke up my whole entire speech I go okay I get if some if I'm gonna talk about God I better be able to deliver him I said why don't you come to the front and I couldn't see he had a back brace from the top of his neck all the way down to the bottom of his butt right here and it took him forever I go, come to the front. He was walking real slow. So trying to entertain hundreds and hundreds of people and keep their attention. Well, home, he's walking really, really slow to get to the front. He finally gets to the front. I go, why were you so determined? He goes, I'm in too much pain. You told me that God was here, and if God's here, I need him. They told me I should be quiet and wait till the end. I couldn't wait. The ushers were all trying to say, hey, be quiet, mister. Be quiet, brother. You got to wait till the end. Then he'll pray for you. That's what the ushers were telling him. He goes, I can't wait till the freaking end. I need help now. He interrupted the meeting. You can't access your future till you disrupt your present. Let me say that that's worth gas money right there. You can't access your future till you're willing to disrupt your, fre- your present. To disrupt your present's a radical shift. It's a radical something where you, you do something you've never done. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. That's what they call an insanity, an AA. Hello, somebody. Doing the same thing and you want something freaking different. For things to become different, you got to become different. Sometimes you got to get a little bit desperate you get a little bit hungry than you currently are and when you do the atmosphere of your life changes jesus said i respect hunger blessed are those that are hungry they give a lot of the stories of the Bible, people's miracles, whether it's Zacchaeus climbing up a freaking tree to see Jesus, or a woman being thrown stones at so she could touch Jesus, the hunger is what made an atmosphere shift and brought miracles into their life. When you get more hungry than you currently are, and you say, you know, I'm not going to just wait for God to do it for me. I'm going to just step out. If I feel that he's here, I'm going to move with him. I'm going to act. I'm going I'm to be a little bit hungrier than I currently am. It's amazing the atmosphere of life changes. When you get more passionate, what happens? Your relationships change. When you get more passionate, your health changes. When you get more passionate, what happens? Your mood changes. Imagine if you became the most passionate person in your family at Christmas. Rather than everybody show up, come on, everyone's all freaking serious. And you woke up and you, were, you just went in a good mood. Smiling. Throw your whole family off. Just walk into Christmas as you're smiling. You'd be like, yo, you okay? You on medication? What's going on? Isn't it weird you got to explain yourself for being in a good mood? Because people expect you to be, what, in a bad mood. Watch how powerful. This guy comes around the front. I go, he goes, can you pray for me? I need it now. I said, okay. So I said, Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, help him out. That was my deep prayer. After all the years of going to Bible school, that's what I got out of it. Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, hook him up. He fell on his knee, and I was nervous because my dad Surgery, and so I was like, Oh shoot! Like, he had a big brace from here all the way down, and I was really concerned. Like, when he hit, because you he hit pretty hard on his knee, so I just kept my hand on his, on his shoulder. As I was like, Continue to talk to the people, and all of a sudden, out loud, everybody could hear it pop, pop, pop. What all of a sudden, he took off his whole brace on his own. He goes, What? And he starts screaming, Ah. Ah, I go, what? He goes, all the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. I go, what happened? He goes, I don't know what just happened in my back. He started moving his back, completely healed. People started cheering, going bananas in the whole entire place. But he got up. He got up. And he went, and came, he went to give me a hug in front of all those people. He went to squeeze my, my neck. And when he did, he goes, ah! I go, what now? He goes, I've been deaf since birth in my left ear. I've not been able to hear. He goes, what just happened to me? He goes, this shouldn't be happening. I'm gay. Why is God being nice to me? I go, because God doesn't judge you based on where you've been. He judged Jesus so he could bring you life and he could change you. Spirit, soul, body. You're a product of the past, but you don't got to live that way no more. All of a sudden, boom! Shift atmosphere. One after the other, a whole family deaf since birth. Four of them. Pop, 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 pop. All four of them completely their deaf ears open in a minute. One man shifted a whole entire environment because he got hungrier or more passionate than he normally was. While a lot of church people sat back there and like, "Okay, brother, speak the word. Tell us what the word of the Lord said. Are you using the NIV translation or the King James version?" One freaking dude's in the back, and he heard God was within reach, and he goes, "If He's within reach, I want to touch it. If there's electricity here, I don't want to sit in the dark. I want to flip the switch and tap into the power. Somebody in the next 24 hours is going to flip the switch. You're going to become a man. Come on, some of you are going to take back your manhood. Why? Because you lost your fe- you lost your masculinity to femininity, raised by women." Raised by a culture that wants to demasculate men. I was, uh, I'm just going to tell a story that's happened. It's a true story. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was speaking, and I got done speaking. I started praying for all these people, and I turned around, and I slapped this person on the top of their shoulder. go, you're a powerful guy. And I turned around, and it was a beautiful woman. It's a true story. That's not real good if you're a speaker, by the way. I hit a beautiful chick right here. Thank God I didn't hit her in the boob. That wouldn't have been good. Like, hit her in the breast. That would not have been good. That might have been the end of the ministry. I hit her right right here. She goes, why did you say that? And I go, because you've been misdiagnosed. The Lord says you're a powerful man. Why are you saying that? I'm looking at her. She's gorgeous. Hair down to the middle of the back, boobs, butt, everything. She looks hot. She's a good-looking woman. Why are you saying that? Like Jesus says you're a powerful man. Why are you saying that? Jesus says you're a powerful man. At the age of five, you were mishandled and sexually abused, and it scared you to be a man because you were hurt as a man, so you hid yourself in femininity, and you lost your masculinity, so you've identified yourself in your mind that it's not good to be a man anymore, so you decided to play small and go into act like a woman. Started weeping rivals. eyeballs. How do you know this? I go, God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to die with a fake ID and die a counterfeit. He wants to reintroduce you to the man you're supposed to be so you can stand up and help other people and conquer the pain so you don't got to live as a freaking prisoner of that pain. And in one moment, everything shifted. They didn't have to sit there and have a 10 hours of prayer and deliverance. That person knew that God told them the real them and pointed out to them that they didn't need to live blind or live on the side of a road begging just to be able to survive or coping mechanisms to get through another day. For the first time, they were seen and approved for who they really are. Could you imagine if you saw yourself through the lens of God? Let me ask you, who are you in your own eyes? Are you rich or are you poe? If you have to go check your bank account, then that tells me something, you're poe. If you need to look at your balance, that tells me something, you're poe. Because riches are what you have, wealth is who you are. And if you're not careful, you'll let blind people proofread your vision, they'll misdiagnose you. They'll tell you what you're not. And if you're a parent, let me tell you something for a minute. you got a responsibility to tell your kids who they're going to be and who God says they are. Don't let no society out there do to us. What, maybe we had parents that weren't as maybe physically there or present. And what happens? We let other people define us. A counselor, a teacher, bad experiences, bad choices define us. As a parent right now, in this world, and I'm telling you this powerfully right now, Please go and tell your kids who they are. If not, you're going to let some teacher who doesn't know anything about their potential declare to them, put their hands on them, and tell them what they're not. We got a responsibility as men. Hey, you're a powerful kid. You're a powerful son. You're a beautiful daughter. You're lovable. You're worthy. You're powerful. You're passionate. You're godly. You're forgiven. There's something powerful about you. Why, if not, we're just going, well... We hope things are different. Hope's a really good motivator, really bad strategy. I hope there's not weeds. I hope there's not weeds. Come on. Hope ain't going to take the freaking weeds out of the ground. Hope will say, you know what? It don't have to stay that way. Let me get my hands in that hope and use some faith and pull that freaking thing out of the ground and plant some new seeds so I can get a flower. We had a responsibility as men. Let's not, even if you don't, Find young people right now. Find people that are on the street. Find someone that you can speak life into and begin to declare to them who God says they are. You're wanted. You're lovable. You're powerful. You're worthy. You're desirable. You're not your past. You're not your feelings. Let me say that again. You're not your feelings. Oh my goodness! How many know you can feel angry, horny, and depressed in about two minutes? There's a guy on my board in L.A., and he works with the police department, he's the top psychologist, and he goes, they're teaching this in schools that you are your feelings. And so there's a kid right now that feels like he's a cat. They're putting a litter box in the elementary school for a sixth grader to act like a freaking cat. He's meowing. Exactly. Come on. Well, oh, oh, that's stupid. You're darn right it is. Why, why is he doing it? Because he had no men in his life to stand up and tell him, you're a powerful guy. There's something wonderful about you. There's something that God wants inside. There's a gift inside you. There's an ability inside you. Watch how powerful. He's sitting there in this knowledge that Jesus is coming in to town. And Bartimaeus goes, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. And people said, shh, be quiet. Shh, be quiet. I remember I went to go speak for a guy named Mark Zuckerberg a couple weeks ago. I haven't talked too publicly about this. I hope the guy who created Facebook. They brought me into a mansion with the leaders, all of his direct reports from WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, and Google. All self-help, not supposed to talk anything about the Bible. But they didn't know they invited a man of God. They just thought they were inviting a motivator. Why I don't advertise it? Just show up and be you. Why do I got to have the title? Just show up and let your fruit be known. Come on. See, your employers don't know who the heck you are. They didn't make you. They didn't create you. They don't know who's anointed you. Do you know that you got favor on you? Do you know that the Bible says you're a temple that God dwells in? That God wanted to put his name on you? Do you think that God wants that to be kept secret? He gets more glory out of your success than out of your failure. That's good teaching right there. I remember going in there and I'm sitting in there and I'm in this, in this room and I'm in the back and there was a Capital Venturist partner with Black Lives Matter, Sean King, the, the head of it, right before me. And I am supposed to go on and do the personal growth, the personal development, the whole thing. And I'm in the back and I was watching this whole vibe was going on and they're like hypnotizing people before I got in there. It was a really, really bad atmosphere. And so my wife, she was awesome. She came into the kitchen. I was telling Matt and Charmaine this at dinner. She walked into the back and she goes, she goes, you see what's going on? I go, yeah. She grabbed my butt. I loved it. My wife's awesome. She, Thank God for a wife that grabs your butt. Come on, that's good. Amen, amen, amen. It's in the Bible, by the way. Come on. One of my favorite verses, let her breast satisfy me always. Come on, man, you better be shouting on that one. Even if you weren't a Christian, amen. I'm crossing over, Pastor Matt. That one verse right there, I'm in. If you need help with that, we need help with probably a lot of other things. So she grabbed my butt. She goes, don't back off. Go in there and give them God. Who cares if they don't come back and invite you back? Who cares? Go in there and be who God wants you to be. All right, I'll man up. You know what I mean? Like your shoulders go back. I remember going in there and started speaking about two and a half, three, three, three minutes in. I said something that, I said, like, God's not auditioning other people for your role. And all of a sudden, this black lady, she's in the third, second or third row, sitting there, she stands up and goes, that's the kind of spirit we need up in here, peoples. All of a sudden, I went to black church. It was awesome. I got out of white church. So she goes, come on, people, that's the spirit we need up in here. And so all of a sudden, things started going off pretty really well. She inter- she interrupted the whole thing, just like Bartimaeus. And I looked at this woman behind her, and I go, yo, can I tell you about your future? She goes, me? I go, yeah. And the guys that brought me into Facebook are like, "You? you we didn't bring you here to do that. This isn't like readings, psychic, what are you? Because I didn't tell them nothing. I didn't tell them I was a Jesus man. I said, can you stand up? I said to you, I said, here's the dream you've had for the last two years and you felt like a haunted house. You hate living in the skin of your own. You hate feeling and you're afraid to live in the body that you live in and you're tormented in your mind. But God's going to change that today. You're no longer going to be a haunted house. You're going to be a happy house. And things are going to change. And I told her the dream for everybody. She fell down and started weeping and crying in the whole entire room. I looked at the woman in the far back and I said, your Mark just brought you in here from China? Uh-huh. I said, come to the front. You can't do the job. You got this and this and this wrong with you. How do you know? I go, oh my gosh, I feel centered. I was trying to use like spiritual language without saying like Jesus told me. (laughs) So she came to the front. I go, in Jesus' name, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, God, flow through her. Bam, she got healed in front. She goes, it's real. I I got healed. She goes, this is real. The guys that brought me in are freaking out. They gave me 30 minutes, and they told me, if you go one minute over, we're going to take you off the stage. That's how tight they were with their time. I left two hours and 48 minutes later. Prayed for every single person in that place. Except for two. Why do you say that? One woman shifted an atmosphere. Why are you starting this to tonight? If you want things to get a little bit different in your life, you got to get a little bit radical. Be like a lion. A lion's lazy 18 hours a day. But at night, they get hungry. During the day, the, 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 the elephant's the king of the jungle. But when at night happens, that lion gets up. That lion's not the biggest. It's not the strongest. It's not the tallest. It's got an attitude, and it. it says, I'm hungry. It doesn't go chase little things. It's not a pussycat. It's a freaking lion. Little pussycats chase shiny things, and they get hit by cars. Yo, there's some wisdom in that, man. Stop chasing little shiny things. Come on, go after something that'll satisfy you, not just tickle your fans. Come on, somebody. Hey, come on, y'all. That's good teaching, too. You know it is. Bartimaeus says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And he goes, yo, tell that guy to rejoice. It's interesting. But God says, I want you to get excited about your life. Imagine the level of your joy is really the level of your strength. Anybody want to be have full of joy, full of strength, full of power? A cheerful mind works healing. Come on. Imagine if, imagine if you had a responsibility to be the most happiest person in your life. How would you hold yourself? How would you show up in a conversation? People that are happy on purpose, not by feeling, but by decision, they actually make 43% more money than the people that don't. That's according to uh, Forbes, by the way. According to Fast Company, they are the people that actually make better decisions, better diagnoses just by being happy. If your physician actually has sucker or a popsicle 10 minutes before making a diagnosis, he's 92% more accurate than the other physician who just goes in there and makes a diagnosis, all because when he has a lollipop or he has a sucker or a popsicle, he feels happy. He actually makes the oxytocin, makes him make better decisions and better diagnoses. Very good right here. Watch. What if you started on a daily pattern, having three things you could wake up to and be thankful for? This is the way I'm going to start my day. Enter God's gates, his presence with thanksgiving. I notice this about Jesus. He never asked the Father, yo, hook me up with a miracle. He said, thank you, God, for being so good. Thank you for what I have in front of me. Thank you for pulling it off. He thanked God, and then he commanded it, or he did it. What if thanksgiving could change your life from going from anxiety all the way to anticipation? Ooh, that could be powerful. Why? Because so many people are anxious. Oh, what are they going to say? What's it going to do? I wonder if I'm going to get the raise. I wonder if I'm going to get free. I hope I don't go back to this thing. I hope I don't go back to this. Do you know that you can wipe out anger and frustra- anger and anxiety? The two most negative, toxic emotions. You can wipe them out by just being grateful. Why? Because when you, thank, when you start thanking God, it's not a matter about what you feel. When you start thanking Him, you shift your focus to whatever you focus on, you feel. You want to start, I thank you that I can think. I thank you that I can see. I thank you that I can hear. I thank you that I can walk. I was an African. I went into a hut made of dung, made of crap. This lady was so proud of it in Tanzania. She took me into her home and she goes, I want to bring you into my incredible home. Okay? So she brought me in. And this is where I eat my amazing meals that God gave me. Can you imagine I get to do that? And look, I got a fence even outside of my hut. She goes, that's the way the lions don't get in, the hyenas don't kill me, and the elephants can't get in. Somebody made me that thicket fence. I eat my meals right here on the ground, but look how neat. Look at, look at my special blanket I have where I can sit down on. Then I lay right here and I sleep and I tell God how grateful I am that I got another day to live and do something with my potential and maximize my skill and ability because I use my ability to make beads today and put bright faces. I made people smile by giving them some beads. And this is where I go when I, when I want to put my clothes on. And this, this little area here, and I have, she had three little outfits. And yet she was richer than any person that I've ever met. And I've been in 46,000 square foot homes. I've been in Eddie Murphy's house speaking, Suge Knight's house speaking. I've been in big freaking mansions all over the world. And this woman was richer than any rich person I've ever met in my life. Because she understood something, the power to be thankful. Just for a minute, close your eyes, lift your hands, just try, you try other things, you might as well try this. What are you, if you were to say thank you to God for five things you're really grateful for right now, just try it for a minute. Just lift your hands, say, God, I'm thankful for this. What would those be? Tell him for a minute. Come on, I'll go back to speaking, but tell him what you're thankful for. God, I thank you that I can see. I thank you for not judging me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for healing me. I thank you for giving me life. Come on, let me hear you for a minute. Let me hear something out of a man. Come on, let me hear a thanksgiving out of a man. I don't know what you're thankful for. Thank you, God, for money in my account. Thank you that I can eat a dinner tonight. Thank you for people that love me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you, God, for new beginnings. Thank you for sobriety. Thank you for a sound mind. Thank you for freedom from panic attacks. Notice that when you start thanking, more beauty appears. Psalm 67 says, as they gave thanks and praise, God released increase. Woo! be of good cheer, Bartimaeus. And they said, rise, he's calling you. I love this. Nobody can rise for you. Nobody can rise physically. Nobody can rise mentally for you, emotionally for you. At some point, you got to rise. What if you became the champion of your own home? The champion in your own community? Everyone wants to look for heroes. Why don't you just decide to be one? If you really viewed yourself as a hero, would that shift the way you engaged in your life? You really you live like this way? Absolutely, I live this way. Why? I flunked out of Bible school. My wife died on the operating bed. I my wife signed her death certificate. A pastor raped my freaking wife. My wife from I know what it's like to go through a little bit of freaking hell. My first wife left me and divorced me. I almost ended my life after speaking in a church where so many people got physically healed, but I was tortured in my own soul. I almost drove my car off a cliff. I know what it's like where you sit there and you want to sit in your pain and wait for things just to be better in a more opportune time, to feel more better, to feel like you got more opportunity, and yet God's telling you, you got to rise. This isn't cool points. This is real talk. This is man talk. This isn't like the church service talk. When you sit there and you look at a depressed person in the mirror and you go, if I stay this way another day, that's not good. God put something in me and I felt God say to me one night, I was in my life, drive off Maholland Bull, off Maholland. And he said, I want you to go look in a mirror. You gotta rise back up to who I've called you to be. Start speaking in the mirror who I tell you who you are. I remember looking in a mirror saying, you are forgiven. Didn't feel like it was. You are righteous. I didn't feel righteous. By the way, you want more confidence? Start saying, I am the righteousness of God. Yes. Not the righteousness of your own performance and religious works. I am God's righteousness through Christ Jesus. So you, you want more confidence and more boldness in your life? Just start saying, I am righteous. I am righteous. Whatever follows your I am, I am you give an invitation to be in your life. Stop saying I am old, I am tired, I am weak, I am depressed, I am an a- I'm suffering here. Wh- whatever you say follows your I am. You constantly give an invitation to be in your life. What if you started saying I am righteous? Man, all of a sudden confidence again in you. You want to stand back up again. I am powerful. I am lovable. I am worthy. Man, we want to stand back up on the inside. It reminds me of that little boy in church. Every time the, the bishop kept getting up, he kept getting up going, yeah, 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 preach it. His mother said, shut up and sit down. He kept getting back up going, yeah, yeah. Right there, you know they're not in white people church. Come on, somebody. That little boy was having a good time at church. She said, shut up, sit down. So finally, Mama, she said, you know, she says, if you get up again, I'm going to take your video games away for a month. That little kid was ticked, and he put his hands in his armpits. And his mother goes, what, what, what? Kind of egg him on in the middle of church service. He goes, oh, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm jumping and shouting on the inside and you can do nothing about it. Isn't it true? Watch, life can have you down on the outside. Stand up on the inside. Bartimaeus stood up after everyone told him to sit down. Everyone told him to censor him, to be quiet, and he stood up. And Jesus said, I'm calling you. We're going to get into this a little bit more tomorrow in a better way. I'm calling you. Your calling is calling. It's interesting. Jesus did not go to him and go, oh, mijo, I'm so sorry. You're blind. I'll come to you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just came to comfort you. Jesus didn't come to always comfort you. He came to challenge you. Because your potential doesn't take shape and form till demands are placed on it. When you place demands on potential, something happens. You don't find out how fast you can run, not by being chased by a chihuahua. Freaking kick the chihuahua. But if a pit bull's chasing you, come on. All of a sudden, you're like, hey! You find out you can actually run a little bit faster, right? Isn't that about God? I love that about Jesus. He tells a man with an arm that's paralyzed, stretch it out. He didn't say, I'll do it for you. See, we want God to do for us what he wants to do with us. Yeah, that's right. Faith is about joining God in a work that he's doing. There's a miracle in motion, if you can pay attention. Come toward me. I'm calling you. Could you imagine blind potential walking when all you got is a promise from God, but one promise from God's enough? I'm almost done. Watch this. A blind man walking. He didn't even know where. He was just walking. See, we got to move at some point. We got to go. I'm tired of just being stopped and staying. So I'm going to take some new steps. I'm going to step toward my calling. I'm going to step toward God. I'm going to take some steps, not jumps. Everybody wants an elevator, everybody wants an escalator, everybody wants jumps. But the Bible says the steps of a good man, they are ordered. God can't order the steps you don't take. He didn't tell Noah, believe me a boat, pray me a boat, prophesy me a boat, give to me a boat. He said, build me a freaking boat. Why? Because a miracle is not a miracle to God. It's a process of God that you decided to work that God speeds up the process. Ooh, some of you, why well, didn't you hear that? Some of you are getting better in your life and you're working a process. What's happening? All of a sudden that process starts speeding up. As you take steps, things get better. There's an acceleration. You start more freedom comes, more joy comes, more life comes, more intimacy comes, more strength comes. Things shift as you start to walk. I don't want to walk. I just want someone to pray for me, and it all just happens. Come on. If you understand how God made you to function, if not, you'll malfunction. You were created to walk by faith, not by sight. Someone say, I was created to walk by faith, not by sight. Watch how powerful as we end this thing. Watch. Could you imagine a guy blind since 16 years old? He's in his young 30s now. And all of a sudden, Jesus tells this blind man to rise, to be of good cheer. And then he tells him, I want you to walk. I'm calling you. Could you imagine him? He's just taking steps. It's blind some see sometimes all you have is a word from god but one word from god is enough how is it all going to work how is it all going to work my mind wants to reason it i got to understand it all but sometimes all you have is a word from a, a promise according to webster's brings hope and expectation when you have a word when you have a promise i got to follow the path of the promise i got to follow the yellow brick road follow 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 but there's lions there's tigers there's bears i'm not sure how it's all going to work out i called you to walk by faith not by come on somebody sight called you to walk by faith, not by sight. Called you to walk by faith, not by sight. What, and I end with a story. I was in a West Covina, California, with a friend of mine, and we got done speaking that night. And my friend actually was speaking; I was just with him. We got done. There's about three thousand people. The end. A friend of ours, who's a, he goes, "Hey, I brought my friend." She was a sheriff with me in the academy, but she went blind to diabetes. Beautiful Hispanic lady. She goes, she came from UCLA Blind People School where she's there to learn how to operate and function as a blind person. And she came the night because there was hope. Would you mind praying? So we sat there in the back of that church auditorium. And my friend, he sat there and prayed. He goes, do you believe God could heal someone like you? She goes, yeah. He goes, why do you want to get healed? She goes, because I don't make a good blind person. (laughs) It's a true story. That was dope. That was pretty cool. That was a great line. She did it all her own. She goes, I don't make a good blind person. And so my friend laughed at me. And so he goes, okay, let's pray. Let's go for it. And so my friend prayed. And she goes, it didn't work. Do it again. She, she goes, oh, you're, you're committed. He goes, I'm not leaving here until I get it. She has a friend with her who's sitting there, and she has her walking stick as well. True story. Praise for again. Nothing happens. Okay, do it again. There's about 13 of us back in this little room at the end of the the church. Do it again. Pray. I think there's like a glimmer of light. Do it again. Something happens when you don't take no for an answer. When you have the kind of faith, a pit bull faith. You ever see a pit bull lock its jaws like on like a stick. You can beat it. You can hit it. You can kick it. But it doesn't let go of that thing because it locks its jaws. Some of you got to get a faith that you're going to lock onto a promise of God. And I'm not going to let go of that thing. I don't care what hits me, what beats me, what anything down. I'm going to lock on that thing. And I'm not giving up till that thing happens in my life. Some of you need to do that. Some of you ought to lock on to Psalm 35:27. The Lord has pleasure when you prosper. By the way, if you have a problem with prosperity, heaven's not for you. You're going to be sadly disappointed. There's real gold there, and you're going to walk on it. I love telling religious people that. Makes them mad. She goes, I think I got a glimmer of light. She goes, do it again. Prayed for her the last time. And honest to God, I was standing right next to her, and she had one of those experiences, kind of like on Christian TV, but it was real. Bam, she fell on the ground. And she's not Christian. Like she wasn't all Jesusified. We picked her up and she was like, I can see! This 29 year old Hispanic, gorgeous woman, I can see! I can see black face! She starts slapping my friend's face. I see your black face! He's like, getting beat up, it's turning purple. Come on, somebody. My buddy's like, he's dark black. Come on, he's getting hit. Ah. I can see her face! I can see her face! I can see her face! He says, follow me. She's walking around and he's following. This is real, this is real, this is real. She goes to her friend that came with her from UCLA Blind People's School, true story. Says, this is real, this isn't a joke. This God just opened my eyes. I can see you, I can see you. This isn't fake, this is real come be healed. She goes, no, I don't want it. No, no, no. I'm not joking. I can see you. I can see you, Tabitha. Can you stand up? This kid? I can, You can get it too. You can get it too. Don't go back to the house. I can see. Don't go back to the school. Go back like I am. I can see. I don't want to. Please, I beg you. Please just stand up and take a step. You don't got to stay blind. She didn't know any scriptures she just knew that a living god just touched her eyes she could see for the first time come on just give it a shot i don't want to i walked out that church that night to that ucla bus on my left a beautiful african-american woman that decided i don't want to on my right was a woman decided i want to and i'm willing to take the steps to do it One walked out with a cane, and she could see her way. Today, that woman completely sees. The woman that was over here and said, I don't want to, she walked out like this. Today, she's blind. Both had the same opportunity. One sat on their opportunity, and somebody got off their good intentions and said, if God's within reach, I want to seize it. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. I'm done speaking tonight. Come on. Give him a big old clap. Come on. Hey, come on, give them a big clap. Ooh, this is good. How many really feel like, come on, as a man, can I stand on this for a minute? Or not? This isn't church on Sunday, so I'm going to stand right here so I can look at some men, for real. Friday night, we're in Chilliwack. How cool is that? My little girl's half Canadian. Come on, my wife's Canadian. There you go. How many of you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm being challenged a little bit. I didn't come just to comfort. I came to challenge. Why? Because that's a challenge right back at myself. No false finish lines. If we're breathing, it's evidence. God knows the earth needs something that's inside of us that's still unseen. God is looking for what's unseen in your life. If you're looking, touch the person next to you say, you got stuff inside you. It's unseen. Come on, there's treasure inside you. Maybe that's why so much stuff has been coming at you so hard the last couple months. Maybe it's not to hold you captive just to where you've been. Maybe it's to stop who you're about to become. He always works to abort. The enemy always tries to abort who you're about to become and what you're about to give birth to. Man alive. Watch how cool this is. I believe many people in this room, you're going to make a decision. Like, hey, I'm going to shift. I'm going to shift here. I'm going to pivot here. I'm going to reposition here. I'm not going to sit and watch other people have great stories. What I love about our church here is there's stories one after the other of people got tired, of tired of being tired, tired of being regular, tired of being broke, tired of being in a bad marriage, tired of being hooked, tired of being sick, tired of being depressed and said, God, I'm going to go after all that you have for me. I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to pursue it. Isn't it amazing that most of the miracles, Jesus said it was your faith that healed you? I thought it was God's power. Your faith healed you. Go look at the Gospels. That's what I read over and over and over. When I got into Christianity, the Raiders chaplain told me, he says, don't go read all the rules. You'll die trying to get them all right. You'll mess yourself up. Just go study all the miracles and read the Gospels over and over and over out loud. Let His words get inside you. Therefore, you'll start seeing patterns of how God operates. More all the time. Jesus said, your faith healed you. Your faith delivered you. Your faith made you whole. Someone say, my faith will change my world. Say like you got juice. Someone say, my faith. Someone say, I got it. I got faith. God gave it to me. I'm going to do something with it. It will change my world. I want to ask you for a minute. What is the number one thought that you got to defeat that stops you from using your faith? What is the belief? What is the thought that stops you the most? What is the thought, though? Fear could be the overall is that you won't have enough. Somebody won't love you. You'll never be a great lover. You'll never have your own home. You'll never, never make enough money. You're not smart enough. You're not skilled as so-and-so. Where's, what is that fear? He operates out of a spirit of fear. But every one of us in here pri- fights a private war. Whether you're on a stage and you act all, or, or, or you're privately at home. Every one of us has thoughts directed at us. Is that true? Come on. Over the real estate of your freaking brain. So as the enemy can get you to buy in and believe a lie, it'll blind you to your potential. And you never take those steps and use your faith. What's that thought you got to conquer? Is that I'm not enough? I failed too many times. I'll never recover from this. I deserve this pain. What is that thought that you gotta, ca- if you don't take it captive, it's gonna take you captive? What's the one you gotta conquer? I want you to think about it for a minute. I'm asking a pretty hard question. Why? Because I want you to see this thing saying, you know what? You've lied to me, you've mocked me, you've stopped me, you've manipulated my actions, you've kept me small, you've isolated me, you've made me hold back when I could have given more, I could have loved more, I could have served more, I could have done some, and you thought are robbing me of what God is calling me to, and I'm not going to let you do that anymore tonight. I'm breaking free from that. Come on, what is that for you? I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to picture that one thought. I want you to think, what is that already costing you? What is it stealing from you? What is it taking from you? What is it keeping from you? I want you to think about that for a minute. And I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus, I feel you up in here. I'm aware that you're talking to me tonight. I need you to come with your power and my choice and help me conquer this thought. I want you to picture that thought, that belief, whatever that is. Maybe just whisper it to him. Whisper that thought to him for a minute. Maybe it's, I'm not enough. Maybe it's, I'm not lovable. Whatever that thought is, say, in in Jesus' name, tonight, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be of good cheer. And I'm going to step toward my calling. This thought will not stop me. The devil will not stop me. I make the choice, and God makes the change. My future is being better than my present. In Jesus' name. Just for a second here, just real softly, just for a second. If you've never asked God to forgive you of your mess-ups, man, if you need God, you need mercy, come on, all of us need. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. Come on, we've all done it. Why not just have somebody rescue you? He was punished in your place so you don't have to be punished. Don't try to do it to Frank Sinatra. I did it my own way. It's too heavy of a burden. If you need Jesus tonight, if you've never accepted him, just, Jesus, I receive you tonight. I believe in you tonight. If you just need to do that, just everyone just say this prayer because I feel like there's two or three people in here that you've never done that before. I want to give you an opportunity. Don't do it because I'm asking you to do it. Do it because you know that you need a savior. You need someone to rescue you. And Jesus is the ultimate rescuer. He gives you new life and he opens your spirit up. You're only as good as your source. Remember, you're a product. He's the manufacturer. You'll malfunction unless you're connected to your source. You won't be able to reveal and release your potential until you're connected to your source. Don't let something like sin separate that. Let God cleanse you from it and forgive you and reconnect you to him, the source. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all sin and wrongdoing. Be my savior. Cleanse me with your blood and give me a new life. You said, if I would believe in you, you would give me eternal life. I want eternal life. I want eternal life. life. So I make the choice tonight to put my faith in you, and I receive your mercy, your forgiveness, and since you forgive me, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. Someone else needs to say that. Say, I forgive myself, and I forgive those who hurt me. Even if you got to say that by faith, say, I forgive those who've hurt me.